0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I think the most beautiful thing is that, at least for me, one of the things that I sense in music, you know, we have the um, our viewpoints that we know. We have worship services, we have music, we um, sing our worship songs, the lyrics speak truth to us. But then there's this other thing between the lines that I feel like the Spirit of God does that is um, very akin to a mother singing a lullaby to a disquieted child. And um, music has the capacity to do that, to enter us in a way that we may have no idea what's going on, and yet it's soothing. Have you ever seen that? You know, maybe you're... um, Listening, you know, I I have, um, what is it, the, you know, the subscribable music in the car, Sirius, is it Sirius XM or whatever. But anyways, um, I have all kinds of programmed stations and some days I'll be listening to my favorite or something and I'm like, no, it's not feeling right. And then I get into a space where there's the music that soothes me, there's the music that calms me, there's the music that centers me. That may sound weird to you, but I'm talking about into a place of peace, and there's only one who can bring peace like that, and that's God, only God. And so tonight there was very much that, and even um, through the whole thing, thank you so much, guys. beautiful. beautiful, um, but then even when you got into the, um, just the music just a little bit ago was when that lullaby thing, I was like, wow, Jesus is doing a lullaby thing in this room. And... The cool thing is I, I literally went back in an instant to the day I was born again. I was eight. And it was such a profound experience. And yet I was eight. I had no idea really what I was doing. It was what you did at a Baptist church. And yet on that day, and, and I've, you know, my whole life dealt with, like, you know, I was kind of a mouthy, you know, like, chatterbox, but in public settings, I was very shy and, and very withdrawn. And yet on that day, I was completely unafraid to walk the aisle of a huge Baptist church. Why? Because it wasn't a natural experience I was having. I didn't understand it was my brain, and yet I walked an aisle and gave my life to Jesus, not even knowing what, I mean, at eight, what does that even mean, giving my life to Jesus? What? And yet, I started a path with God. And I'd love to tell you that the path stayed, pointed at God my whole life, but it didn't. But God never pointed away from me. And that's why I'm standing here alive today. Because He never left me. And so... um, I just want to throw that out there to you tonight because I think often, um, I mean, I don't totally understand why would I sit in the midst of this school? I've been teaching in this house for decades. But why would I be sitting in our time together tonight and have this lullaby kind of experience and remember my first day of really stepping on a path with a choice? I don't have to understand that with my brain. It's true. And I could recall that experience tonight. I literally stood there. I could feel it. I remember the, um, I won't say it was exhilarating. It was, um, honestly, I'm kind of scared to say it in a church setting. It was really magical. I felt like I lifted up out of the chair and was down the aisle. Because I would never have done that. In my own thoughts, I would never have walked in front of 500 people. Never. Never would have moved away from my mom and dad in a public setting like that. And yet that day, I had the nerve to move out and make a decision all by myself. So, I think it's interesting that God took me there tonight. Because what I'd like to talk to you about is... um, being called, but don't go to the church thought. Don't go to ministry call because what I love about God is he doesn't prefer one type of person over another. He has absolutely no prejudice. Um, He doesn't say, oh, I'm calling the church, calling the church. I'm calling Christians. I'm calling men, I'm calling men. No, he's actually, and this is the beautiful thing about God, is his heartbeat and his voice, he's calling out to humanity. He's always calling out to anybody that will hear, anybody that will listen. And this is why, honestly, for me, the, the more decades I'm in God and the more decades I remember that first experience and how year after year and different ways God's taught me, I get more and more, um, for lack of another word, evangelistic, but in a very unorthodox form. And when I say unorthodox, I don't mean unscriptural. For those of you that might freak out at that. Oh, no, no. I'm getting more scriptural in the, the, the desire of my heart to see people come to God because there's only one place to actually live, to actually be alive, to actually be able to handle planet Earth, and that's in God. So I want to talk to you about calling, and I want to talk to you about um, the way that we have um, themed So the School of Word and Worship this year is just Jesus. Um, For me, that's such a personal thing for each one of us. Each one of you have a right to look at what does that mean to you, just Jesus. Okay, are you guys with me? Have I been too philosophical? Somebody told me one time, you're so philosophical. I'm like, let me go get the dictionary and see what that really means when somebody calls you that. Like, is that an adjective? What is that? Because I thought, I'm just a heart person. So I always bring to you the word the way God's ministering it to me, but one of the things that I want to look at tonight, and I want to really encourage you, love is in this room tonight. You see, love is not a feeling that we all have. Love is a person. Love caused me to recognize the lullaby of God that would take me back to the memory that held so much feeling and so much impact for my entire life, and so... With love being in this room, brace yourself, but don't buckle a seatbelt. Actually, unbuckle a seatbelt. But brace yourself, because with love in this room, love is going to tell the truth, and love is going to be really honest with all of us. And so, um, as I, I was actually, you know how I always have my treadmill worship? Those of you that know me really well, it's like, for some reason, God, I guess I'm captive audience. I'm not going to run away. I'm on a treadmill. Where am I going to go? You know? So he always seems to drop these things in me that would be what I would share with you all. But he'll like touch something in me that I've been thinking about. Touch. And you know, like, hint, hint, he's saying, I've been talking to you about this for six months because I want you to let it gel inside you and then I want you to bring it. Because if love is in this room, love is going to tell us the truth that it's time to not play with our lives anymore. You know, we can we can sometimes play with our lives. And by playing with our lives, we can even play with how we how or in what fashion we commit our lives to God. And... I said my heart gets more and more evangelistic and it does because I feel like if people don't see our belief, if all they see is our church attendance, if all they see or hear is that we quote scripture but the scripture never seems to take form in our own lives. And you know I always say to you guys, say no condemnation. This is not coming as condemnation, but I think all of us have to really look Jesus square in the face and say, you paid a high price. You chose to commit your life to God, to your heavenly father. You chose to hear his voice call you, and you chose through your entire life to walk in ways that were out of your comfort zone, maybe out of what you wanted to do, but you chose to stay so connected to him. And it was because then others would come to know him. Because remember I said a few minutes ago, God is calling out to all of humanity. But how are they going to know that? You know, the reason that I know God's voice is because of this word. If, okay, like it's going to come serious now, okay? But I'm not biting. I'm, I'm just passing on the message that I got. Um, how am I going to know what he would say to me if I don't know anything about this word? I've been with my husband for 45 years, 43 years. I've been with him 45. We won't even go into that one because it's not all up inside the church. But 45 years is a very long time. OK, but that came through a lot of relationship, a lot of communication, a lot of me learning how to know Neil and what Neil would say to me and how Neil would commit himself to me. It, t- it took time. Are you all with me? Because one of the things that I want to say to you tonight is coming every Wednesday is not. OK, don't freak. That's not our commitment to God. What he would say to me each week, and then what he would say to me because of what he says to me on Wednesday night, then what would he say to me through the week, and then what does he say to me on Sunday? What effect does the ministry of the Word have on us? Is everybody with me? So we're called. He's calling out to humanity. Do you hear him? i 'm going to throw some things out there because just the way that I feel like Jesus by the Spirit, <clears throat> excuse me, touched me and caused me to sense certain things during worship he 's going to do that as I speak and, and i 'm going to get into that a little bit more because there 's a lot of words that that we as church people. Um, And if you're a guest in this church, please don't be offended by anything I say because none of it's meant to bring condemnation of any kind. It's meant for all of our eyes to open that God is coming to actually save. He's not coming to just keep us in this nice little box called a church sanctuary until whatever happens at the end of the world or whatever some people have learned in church. Are you all with me? Like, really with me? Can you feel my heart? I feel like there's a seriousness. And even when, when I prayed with the team before, um, before worship, there was something like stirring in me, almost motivational, almost like um, if I took a, what are those things, Red Bull? I've never drank one of those. I don't need one. <laughs> I mean, give me a Red Bull, I'd be like flying through the air. But sometimes when God moves in us, it's like that. It it can come as a force and an energy that literally will spur you on, will make you stand up. I hit a point where I couldn't sit down anymore. And part of it was the energy that was coming to me from God, the spirit that was moving in me. But then part of it was the spirit that was moving in those I was praying with. Why? Because God means for us to make an atmosphere on this planet that's a little bit better than what the world is offering right now. And he's calling out to all these people, he's calling out with love. He's drawing people, but people don't know that God's anywhere near it. People are making their own decisions, doing whatever they want to do in life, and then wondering, and some of them Christians, wondering why life is so difficult and hard. It's difficult and hard because this is a planet that has gone awry. So I'm going to bring it down to the simplest thing, and which is wild, because I didn't think about my own born-again experience when I was preparing notes and talking on the treadmill to God and thinking about, okay, this, I'm teaching this week, what do you want me to even bring to the people, God? For the first time, um, I guess in the past year, we're not streaming. That's kind of a relief. <laughs> Seriously, I'm kind of glad this is not like online. This is for you all. Even that, is it possible because you're here tonight that God is coming to you personally to call your heart closer, to call you into a deeper place with Him because your life is going to be so impactful to the planet around you that people are going to see something that goes far beyond the expression of a Christian church person? Is it possible? that the way you would hear him speak this word to your heart is going to be so dramatically different than anything else they've ever heard that it would draw them close to him. And in their heart, maybe not in a church setting, they would walk an aisle, but maybe in their heart, they would walk toward God and begin to receive him. Because you see, you don't have to do some kind of church thing to come to God. You can call out to him and say, I don't understand any of this, but somehow I'm hearing that Jesus is the Savior, And I need some help here. So initially in our lives, those of us that know God, know Christ, we said yes in some way. I said yes that day, eight years old, not even knowing literally what was happening. I mean, I knew I'd go down that aisle and they'd put some sort of little, you know, little baptismal suit on me. And uh, because you didn't have to get your clothes wet. It was, you know, a big church. And so we had all the, you know, paraphernalia. And so you put on this little thing and you get baptized. And I had no idea what God was doing in my life that day. You see, God had drawn me as an eight-year-old child with very little understanding, just that this is what's done at our church. Yet God knew that decades down the way, I would stand in front of people and I would share the word. I would pastor people. I would love people. I would tell people the truth. I would tell people that I've made ridiculous mistakes in my life and still do. And yet Jesus has never walked away from me. He continues to guide and counsel. He continues to take me back to this word, back to places where maybe I studied to teach it two decades ago. And he says, I want to show you more. You see, I want you to hear my heart tonight because I didn't, I didn't name this year just Jesus. I didn't do that. God did. And I think it's because he wants to get our attention that he has something for each of us individually that will make such an explosive impact on the planet that we could never dream of. You see, those disciples, all those thousands of years, ago, they had no idea what was happening, guys. They didn't know that over 2,000 years later, we would stand and still be talking about them. They had no idea that they would be characters in the only book that has sustained the bestseller list since it was written. They just found a guy that they trusted. Come on, man. I I mean, I don't know about you all, but I'm I'm like done with all this. Put Jesus in a box that you can explain. Explain. You can't explain a man so committed to God that he let his life be taken from him. He gave it. I mean, they didn't steal it from him. He said yes. He said yes. No condemnation. You might not be rocked by that tonight. I'm so rocked by that. That he was so committed to God that somehow God had come to his heart and persuaded him so deeply of his love that he chose to love others that way. A way that he couldn't figure out himself. So, initially we say yes. See, I encourage you tonight. If you're sitting here and you're sensing some kind of, I don't even know what the question is. I don't even know what the question is, God. But, okay. I mean, I stood at the back before I went and put the mic on, and I kind of had that feeling like you were singing the song, Maddie. You know, like um, I, I can't even think of the words now. But I was like, I don't even know like what question you're giving me. But okay, I'm in further. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. You want me to teach, teach tonight? I'll teach, teach tonight. You want me to pour my guts out and say, okay, Jesus, and implore people? I mean, the apostle Paul would stand and and speak words and write. I'm imploring you to let go of yourself and fall into something that's beyond understanding. When we were praying tonight, um, Babette went into, uh, well, she prayed some things, but she was alluding to the scripture where Paul says that, um, I just, everything I've done, it's just basically dung, it's basically poop, and um, I want to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. He wasn't saying that from his intellect. I mean, who in their right mind sits there and says, I I just want to like study this dude being ripped to shreds? That's not, what he, that's not what he was saying. Something inside of him was happening. So I had just been talking to Gavin about that scripture a few hours before that. And then this, this happened last week. Um, and I didn't know if I would share this with you guys tonight, but I'm going to because I'm like, okay, the notes are here. And, but there's something else that God is doing in this room with our hearts. There's something else that he is doing with our minds. Don't put your mind out of it. Because your mind is not just good for understanding. Your mind is good for laying aside your will and saying, I'm just going to say, yes, Jesus. I don't even know what you're asking me tonight, Jesus. I don't even know what that woman's talking about. But this is how good Jesus is. So I've been looking at, for a bit, I've been looking at um, not resurrection as in what was done to Jesus, but the spirit of what Paul had said, which is, I, I want to know, okay, in that resurrection... Pardon me. What happened for me? Why is that so powerful to me that Jesus gave his life and died and then was resurrected? Like, he didn't stay dead. And he wasn't the only person in the Bible that was resurrected, but there was something different about his resurrection. So I've been talking to Jesus about that, and then God coupled that with some conversations I've been having with God about the aging process. And, you know, we can all have things in our family genetically that, like, could spook you about aging. i got a few things in my family that happened with my parents and grandparents, and it's a little bit spooky, uh, the aging process. And so I said, Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be bound by genetics. I'm not going to be bound by genetics. So I don't want to age with fear. Or trepidation or dread. So I said, if you're the prince of peace and you bring all the grace, I want to age gracefully. So, and I don't want that just to be that I age gracefully like I don't look old. No, I want it to happen in my body and everything. So, um, so anyways, so last week, one of the mornings, I'm having my little time and, um, I'm partially retired, so I have more mornings in the week. And I'm going to tell you what, I'd be loving me having some chats with Jesus. Because my husband doesn't get up as early as me. Thank you, Jesus. So it makes my dates with Jesus pretty good. But anyways, so I'm there and I had found over this, these past weeks that I would wake up with a, a phrase. Not always the same phrase, just a phrase. And then, you know, like, duh, I figured out after about a month, oh, these are the things he wants to talk to me about. This is the subject of our conversation. So maybe a week ago, I woke up and the phrase that kind of lilted up inside of me was, um, resurrection makes you able for restoration in everything. And I was like, well, no, I won't tell you what I actually said out loud, but it doesn't bother Jesus, it would bother you. Um, but it was basically like, Whoa, okay, Jesus. So I thought, this is gonna be a good conversation. So we had that conversation. Sorry about my snotty nose. Sometimes when I teach, my nose just starts running just liquid. There's nothing wrong with me. I have no symptoms. It's just Gavin laughs at me because I always say, where are your Kleenexes when we start talking spiritual stuff? But anyways, so I'm like, this is going to be a good conversation. So for a few days, we have these conversations. Then um, I won't tell you all the details. It's Suffice it to say, it's nothing, it's not bad. But I had, you know, they do some certain tests on you when you age and stuff. And so one of the tests showed some aging things. And so I'm like, ew, no. Okay, Jesus, you've been talking to me. So then he says, well, what was the phrase I gave you the other day? And I said, well, you said resurrection always gives me the enablement for restoration. So he said, so can I restore that? I said, apparently apparently. Now that doesn't mean you don't take vitamin supplements, doesn't mean you don't do what the doctors say, but I'm going to tell you something. If your faith is in the doctors, you're in bad shape because I don't know about you, but you watch the commercials and they got all kinds of pills for everything that happens to you as you age. And I don't want to be dependent on pills. I want to be dependent on Jesus, but I'm going to have to know what he's saying to me. I didn't have word inside me I wouldn't have known that day that he was giving me some conversational topics and then I find out four days later he was actually giving me the word of salvation for the answer that would come from intellect and medicine and he says you couple some of their wisdom with all of my wisdom and resurrection will provide for you restoration you see because here's the bottom line With long life has he blessed us. He didn't say with long years. He said life. Life means the years will be good. Are you all with me? Because we're talking about Jesus calling. We're not talking about a ministry call. We're not talking about a church call. We're not talking about music or teaching. We're not even talking about a call to be a church Christian. We're talking about God calling out to humanity to bring us into a position to live and not die. You with me? Is this making sense? You know, I could be up here speaking a foreign language and thinking it's totally making sense and y'all are thinking, what is she talking about? Because I want you to ask yourself some questions. Don't just come on Wednesday night and sit here and love the music, maybe like a few scriptures and feel like I've ticked my box. Say no condemnation if that's what you've been doing. But I feel like Jesus is saying to us, if that's what you're doing, stop now because I've come to save you not conform you into the image of a church person. So initially, we say yes. This is really crazy. And if I wasn't half lit, I'd probably be embarrassed, but I'm feeling too good to be embarrassed. So initially, we say yes. His influence affects how we live our daily lives, or it should when he comes and influences us on Wednesday nights, just a question, not, not to make you feel bad, does it influence your life? Does what you hear do inclinations that you get? Because we're going to talk about more of those inclinations in a minute, okay? So he affects it, our lives. He affects not how we go to church, but he affects how do we view daily life? Do we get things? I trust that you leave, live here tonight realizing, okay, Jesus is never going to leave me. No matter how cray I act. You see, honestly, he's watching all of humanity. God is watching all of humanity. He's not like, I got my favorites over here because they they obey this. No, he's, he wants to watch out for humanity. But when humanity doesn't know that God has goodness for them, we make our own decisions. We lean to our own understanding. We make governmental decisions. We make life choices. We make all kinds of choices, and he's not condemning us for those, but we condemn ourselves. We put ourselves in positions where we experience. You see, had he not spoken to my heart last week, I could have gotten that call and felt like, oh, And then thought about my grandmother and a challenge she had. And started going down the genetic road and saying, oh, well, this and I better prepare for this and that. I don't want to prepare for negativity and downfall. I want to prepare for life and joy and long life. I don't want to be afraid of the things, the news that I will get. You see, if you don't get anything else I say tonight, know that God gave his son so that you don't have to dread what you might hear on planet Earth. You don't have to dread anything that you will hear on the news, that any call that you'll get from your bank, you don't have to dread anything. You can pause in that moment and say, Jesus, I need a savior. I don't even know what to do with this information. And the first thing you might do is a little bit of a lullaby. I'm not saying he'd sing to you. I mean, he might just say, well, calm down, put on some music and sit for a minute because you're tripping out. Isn't that what we do with young kids? They'd be freaking out. We don't give them all the steps. We just say, sit down, come here, let mommy hold you. And we pull them close and we say, it, just calm down. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Jesus wants to say to the world, everything's going to be okay. You might be looking at the news right now. You might be looking at the pandemic and you might be, you might be agreeing with the voice that says, there's not a thing on the earth that's okay. But God wants to use us. He wants to call us to a closer place. He wants to use us to be those who bring peace because we bring Him. Please don't be offended by this, but He doesn't want us to bring the church Him. He wants us to bring the real Him. But the real Him will bring this. So we get, he affects us. Then out of that transformation, this is simple stuff tonight. If you've been born again, it's simple stuff. It's just so simple to let him influence our life. If you've not, you can be in an instant. You could right now, while I'm standing here in front, literally say, I don't understand about the yes, but I say, yes, Jesus and I trust that you'll just cause me to gain some understanding as I go. So then we're transformed. We don't even realize we're being I didn't realize I was being transformed at eight. I didn't realize he had begun a work in my life, but he had. I didn't realize that I had stepped into a place with him that when I went crazy as a teenager and a young adult, that he would be right there. I had no idea that he never left me. I look back now and think about how I went around, how I drove. The condition in which I drove. And many other things that I won't stand in a church and tell you about. But he was there with me. He kept me safe and alive. Did he love what I was up to? No. So we're transformed. And we start to live a little bit different each day. You see, once you say yes, you start to think a little different. You don't even know why you're thinking different. If you sit in a church setting, you're going to get scriptures. Even if you're in a church, this is what I think. This blows my mind. You can be in a church setting, and don't be offended by this, but there are churches that don't have the right doctrine. Okay? But you can be in a church, and if they're using the Bible, and they're speaking the word to you, God can use that word to take care of you. Even if their doctrine is questionable. That's why we got to stop judging different denominations. We've got to quit saying, you know, if they talk Jesus, I'm down. I'm with them. If they say Jesus is the Savior, I'm like, okay, let's talk. I mean, that's what the Bible says, that really that's the only thing that all of us are ever going to really agree on. Because we all have our own opinions, Right. So you start to be transformed. You start to have a different sensing. You start to maybe not be comfortable in some things that you were doing that you were comfortable last week. And all of a sudden you're thinking like, what's going on? Well, you have somebody with you now who's guiding and helping you to understand not a cool place to be, not a healthy place to be, not a safe place to be. I think about some of the places, (laughs) honest to Pete, that we went when we were crazed. I mean, there were gun-carrying people there. I'm like, how? in what world did I think that was okay? Apparently, there was some danger there. If the people coming to the party were carrying guns. I'm not trying to shock you all, and yet I am. Because I want you to know the Savior is a Savior. He was watching me. I had a grandmother praying prayers. I don't know if she knew everything I was up to, but apparently she was praying some pretty powerful prayers. So we don't necessarily change, okay? Listen to this. Once you come to Jesus, don't necessarily change where we go, who we interact with, or even what work or career. Like, it's not like all of a sudden you change and you don't go to that job anymore. You don't whatever you don't i don't like those people anymore i'm changing there's something that happens inside and that's what this year is about this just jesus is about something happening inside it's not about something happening to your brain it's not about you deciding that i'm going to take everything i've learned in church for the last 75 years and walk it better that's not what it's about it's about me saying to jesus how are you speaking to my heart with this truth what do you what do you expect of me jesus not works but how selfish, we can be selfish for a minute, okay, can anybody handle that, how are you going to help me with that truth, but when he comes and says, well, don't think like that anymore, because it's creeping you out, I mean, duh, that's some thoughts, aren't there some thoughts, and we keep going back to them, and wonder why we feel funky, well, maybe don't go back to them, sometimes I'm so in the zone with myself, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, you reminded me that that thought is crazy. He doesn't come back and say, I cannot believe, Kathy, you've been thinking like this. No, he just says, feeling icky, huh? Yeah, well, you've been there again. So we don't necessarily change instantly. It's just that now Jesus is able to show up and bring real life. Are you with me? Real love, real creativity in all the different areas of our life. See, when you start thinking differently at work, there's a different energy that comes out of you. There's a different atmosphere. We really can bring peace if we let him give us peace. Our new life with Jesus is spent with his truth. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. Oh, good Lord. Um, this was like the biggest dirty church world word. I hated it when I was growing up. Conviction. Oh, I hated that word because they were always talking about just let the conviction of God. And I'd sit in church, you know, I'd had that experience at eight, but then I got to be a teenager and had my own ideas. And I'm thinking, I don't know about all this, but I never forgot that experience. And so conviction, but all conviction is, is convincing. If somebody around me has an idea, you know, grandkids, okay, their their parents are here, but if they want to convince me that they should have, you know, Liv loves donuts. If she wants to convince me that she should have the third donut, then she's going to build a case. Because the boys don't like the vanilla donuts. So we can save the chocolate heart donuts for them for Saturday, and I'll eat all the vanilla ones. There's a case. There's, she's convincing me. And I get a conviction. She's right. I got them for her. So it just seems right. We'll move in that direction. God works the same way. He comes and he's walking along and I'm in the crazy thoughts or whatever. And he's just like, you know, should we really be here? You're not feeling real good. You've been depressed for two days. I got some other thoughts for you. See, that's why he grabbed me days before The test results come. And please don't be worried. It's not horrible test results. We're just talking normal aging process, which I'm talking to Jesus about, because I'm not going to do it normal. I don't want normal. I want spiritual. I'm not a human. I'm a spirit being living in a human body. And I want this human body to be on the planet for the length of time I'm supposed to be here imploring you all to let Jesus be Jesus in your life. Have fun, but have fun in Christ. You with me? I'm so sorry for all this nose stuff. I'm really fine. It hadn't been doing this till I got in here with you guys. Maybe there's something in this sanctuary. Seriously, like sometimes there can be dyes and stuff in is it cold? Is that what it is? Okay. Well, I don't feel cold. I feel actually quite warm. Um, so our new life is spent with Jesus convincing us. Sometimes he's convincing you and you don't even know it. Like, honestly, I believe tonight... He's convincing you of some things right this very minute. He's coming and convincing you. He's using my persuasion to convince you. Do you know that that can happen in the world? That can happen with friends that are acting crazy and living. I mean, it happened with me. I had all kinds of persuasions and I followed them. And yet Jesus was living inside of me. And all the time I'm thinking, ooh, I don't want mom and dad to find out about this. I don't want people to find out about this. I'm living this secret life over here. And the crazy thing was, was that my parents expected those kind of things out of my two brothers and my sister, but they thought I was the good girl. Which, do you know, I mean, hint, hint, guys, that meant I was a really good liar. (sighs) (laughs) Oh God, I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying, but Jesus never left me. He kept persuading. He kept coming to convince and guide. And always remind me of an encounter I had at eight. My, My baby girl, Liv, is eight. I look at her and I'm like, I was that age. When he grabbed my heart. They've never not been living in him. That's the beautiful thing now is we have we have kids that are raising their kids. They just like live in truth. Well, our household wasn't. Our household was a church household. So there was stuff happening at home that ain't nobody knew. I was actually being taught to lie. But anyways, we won't even go there. That's for another time. So... We call his convincing and persuading conviction, which was never meant to make us feel bad. It's simply the action of being convinced that one way is better than another. There are some ways for you tonight. You're being encouraged to come differently on Wednesday night. Something's happening on Wednesday nights. Something's happening in each individual heart. And we say we want the move of God in the earth. What do we think? He's going to like take up habitation in a tree or something and start moving? No, he's coming to human beings. He's moving in human beings' hearts and minds and existence. And he's persuading us that he wants to use us to show the world that there's a better way. And it's a fun way. It's not like icky, you know, you got to get in a box and you can't have your personality anymore and you can't have your likes and your dislikes. You can still have your own personality. There might be some things that are no longer kosher, but he'll convince your heart of that. And there's no use judging each other because some things that aren't appropriate for me might not be wrong for you because maybe they don't take you down a crazy place, but those things might take me down the real crazy place. Are y'all with me? Because God's coming tonight, calling our hearts. He's calling out to us and he's saying, I've got a better way. See, if we could let go of this Just the church people are called or just the ministers are called. No, no, no. All human beings are being called by God because the call is an invitation into life. It's not some sort of job career. It's an invitation to be alive. I mean, isn't that what I was looking for? I was looking for the high. I was looking for, but I didn't know it, the most high. I said I would love to have a t-shirt made and go back to my old crowd. But, I mean, at the age I am now, I doubt seriously I could find any of them. Um, But I would love to get a t-shirt that says, I found the high, the most high. Because life, real life, actually is intoxicating. Real life actually is the high that we're built. And don't be offended. Oh, one of my sons is like, I hate when you say that. Because I'll say, we had a really good time and everybody was high at church. they so like, the Holy Spirit was there. And he just is like, I don't, I don't know what his problem is, but he thinks it's ridiculous. <laughs> but see, it makes sense to me. Of course, he's never been in that world. So to, it makes sense to me. I'm like, that's what I was looking for. Anybody else in the room, that's what you were looking Maybe you are looking for that. It's okay if you don't want to raise your hand. Because here's the bottom line. If you're looking for it, God's calling you. God is calling your heart. He's saying, come closer because I'll show you what it really means to walk with me. Okay, so here's some questions. You know, I always love to give questions. I think people hate my questions, but that's okay. So what is he calling you to? How is he convincing you that his ideas work best? What does he say to you or impress on your heart and mind day to day? Do you ever get inclinations like, I don't think this is working for me, or um, I don't think these friends are right for me? I mean, anything. it can be any number of things. But we need to understand that God is guiding us toward life and away from death. What do you see yourself doing differently? Do you get inclinations of, I'm just going to, I'm not going to work at that anymore. I'm going to do a new job. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm I'm simply saying, maybe he does have something better for you. We've got to get unafraid to follow inclinations. Okay, let's go further. What inclinations do you have on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings in worship? Do you have inclinations on Wednesday night to go to somebody and pray with them? What would stop you? What would make you think it wasn't God? If love is moving in this room, is he only going to move through some of us that are called? No, because we're all called. So I'm a poet. We're all called. All are called. But see how we got to practice these things. We've got to step out. That's part of what this school is about. Don't be embarrassed if you feel like... I used to think I would see myself get on my face... What well, was when I was? It was years ago when I was on the praise team, and I, I would like inside my brain I would feel like I, we would get in worship and I'd feel like, like I'd see a picture like I'm on my face and I'm thinking I can't do that. I'm up on the platform. I can't get on my face, and so I ignored it. I don't even know how long, probably years. Like I would never do it up there because my brain says it's inappropriate up there because what will it look like and what will people say and, quite frankly, what will happen if I do it to me? So he convinced me <laughs> that it was him, because I would leave on those Sundays, and I would feel kind of grody, like, like I had disobeyed him, but not really disobedience, but I had felt like I missed something. I felt like I missed something. So one Sunday, I see myself do that. <laughs> hey, you might be afraid now to obey him if I tell you what happened. <laughs> I didn't, I, this isn't in my notes, but... I want you to get that there are inclinations that come. Try them out. What you got to lose? What's the worst thing that would happen? You get embarrassed. That's the worst thing that would happen. I mean, nobody's going to shoot you, pull you off the platform, and embarrass you in front of the congregation. So I'm up there on the thing, and I see myself do that. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, um, you've convinced me this is you. Now, I don't like public, you know, I'm like already having to use faith to be on the platform. So I get on my face. As soon as I get on my face on there, I, I have no understanding to explain to you how he moved on me. All I know is, it's really not funny, because Marianne's sitting there. She was a little, you know, kind of a little girl. She's sitting on the front row waiting for me after the service. I mean, God moved in a way, it was the most life-changing experience for me because I realized this was my choice to say yes, but it was not my idea. And I don't know exactly what he did in me that day, except that he proved his voice to me. That was one of the times he proved his voice to me. Why, guys, are we resisting things like that? Getting on, I mean, some of you all, you get on your face. And honestly, I love that because you have to put aside your own pride and your own concern of what someone will think. But my goodness, is the Savior not worthy for us to literally lay aside? What else might he be convincing you of tonight? What might he be saying? These notes make no sense. Now, I'm going to go to Colossians 3. And I'm going to leave you with some scripture. Those of you that feel like it's a Bible school, there should be some scripture. (laughs) Actually, there's been quite a bit of scripture already. You just might not have recognized it. I say, I'm reading from um, The Passion. And um, I think you're putting up New King James, right? Yeah. Okay, cool, because they don't have the passion. But if you want to just look at those, you can. But listen to this. It's so profound. Um, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. (laughs) Golly. You realize the power that raised him up has raised you. That's so crazy to me. That your brain can never comprehend that. That's one of those things like, just convince me, Jesus, to just believe you. He says, it's your resurrection too. That means you've been brought away from death and into life. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Heavenly. See, don't, don't think just about, okay, church stuff or just chapters and verses. That day when I finally reached the point where Jesus had convinced me, it was Him showing me a picture of myself completely yielded, given up my own thoughts. He was convincing me that was heavenly realm stuff because then what impacted my life and persuaded me to to trust him more it ha- some of it started right there are y'all with me cuz i know that you're you're hearing things too and some of it you might think i'm thinking this up not me you you might think well i i think i think this stuff up we had such amazing worship last week and different people came and sang songs and it was like i was so excited because people were just stepping out of their own comfort zones and letting their hearts go that is so powerful. We say we want to move on the earth. That's where the move comes from. The move doesn't just happen separate and apart from us humans. It happens as each one of us do our, what seems like maybe small or huge, yes to Jesus. We put them all together in a room or in a church or in a region, and it becomes the move of God in the earth. You see, he's come to save us tonight and not just to save us in our own thinking, but to cause us to be convinced that if we will live out our freedom and our salvation, other people, not even realizing it, will be influenced by that atmosphere. And we might never really speak the name of Jesus to them, but we'll be releasing the freedom. We'll be releasing the Christness, the anointed one, his anointing. You see, freedom expresses, and I'm not talking about freedom that is unruly and I can do anything I want. No, no, that's selfishness. That's not freedom. True freedom comes, came at a price. It came at a very high price for the Lord Jesus. As a human, he gave up his own human rights, trusting that if if I just let him tell me how to live this life, others are going to be influenced by it. And now he's with us tonight, watching us, preaching that. I'm preaching that to you guys. Personally, for me, I, I want to be able to say, he didn't do it in vain for me. He's convincing me. There's something more, and please don't hear what I'm not saying. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But there's something far broader and more powerful than our limiting perspective of church Christianity. There's something far more powerful that God intends to literally cover this planet with the power of the love of Jesus Christ. I'm not here trying to get you guys to come to Wednesday night or break friends, though I think you should. I want you to let your hearts go out there. Be unashamed, even of your own inclinations, your own creativity. Back to Colossians. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. I think that's a safe place. You see, the greatest power, we might not feel that naturally we're hidden with Christ in God, but literally that is part of the, Paul taught about the helmet of salvation. Do you realize that that truth to realize that your life is hidden with Christ in God? You are so preserved right now. You might have situations going on in your life and you say, there's not a daggone thing in my life that's safe or preserved. No, there is there is. Jesus wants you to realize that he will give you insights. If you will come to this word, you don't even have to understand how are you coming to this word. I encourage you. Come on Wednesday nights. Come on Sundays. Listen to the teachings online. Get your Bible out and just take it out and say, Jesus, what is this about for me? I'm going to tell you what. Kenneth Hagin, at the age of about 15, he was diagnosed with basically a dead heart. And he got his Bible out. He had been to a denominational church and he he needed more than what they had told him in church. They weren't teaching healing or anything. He got his Bible out and just started talking to God and reading the Bible. Come on, guys, this is so powerful. He got his Bible out and he just started digging in it. He just started digging in it. He's like, there maybe there's something in here. The dude got healed and lived until 70-something and preached. There was one scripture that impacted him so profoundly, and he preached from that. He lived, he stayed, this is what I'm going to say, he stayed alive because the Spirit of God took him into the depths of truth, not just Bible doctrine, but Christ doctrine. Do you see, the doctrine of Christ is that all the bondages, anything that would hold your feet to the ground, hold your mind down, hold you back from your own creativity, your own impetus in life, that that is destroyed By the anointed one and his anointing. And that's simply the anointing that comes out of him. That's simply his own essence. Oh my goodness, guys. What is your essence? Are you in Christed? Because you have an essence that's far different than human naturalness. Far different. Explore your own essence. You have different inclinations than me. That's okay. Even things I've said tonight, each one of you is hearing it differently. That's okay. Hear it differently. But commit, Jesus. I'm going to go to your word. I'm going to explore. There's something you're saying. Um, Let me see if there's... Okay, here's cool stuff. I said... Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in away in God in Christ, and as Christ Himself has seen, and as Christ Himself is seen for who He really is. Who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. When you yield it and you say, okay, yes, Jesus, I'm going to accept you, Jesus. I don't even understand this whole doctrinal thing of getting born again, but I'm going to let myself be rebirthed. I'm going to let myself be remade. I'm going to give myself. It's so simple. All you got to do is say, I receive you, Jesus. And now that makes God my father. And now my mind can release to something far more than what I could could comprehend tonight. Y'all with me? Because th- this is real stuff. This is real stuff. This is not something that your brain will necessarily understand. Even as I'm sharing this, I always tell you guys this when what I teach. Nothing ever teaches out the way I thought it was going to. But that's not the point. It's not about whether it teaches out the way I thought. It's about, will I let my heart go? Will I let my heart go to encourage you all that you have an essence? You have something that Christ can only manifest in you when you say yes to him. Do you get that? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of you in this room, you have things inside you that are absolutely extraordinary. And you could actually leave this planet and never release that accent that essence. You you could literally put yourself in a box and say, I'm embarrassed or I'm scared, or I really don't want to take the time to go to this word. I'm going to tell you what, take the time to go to this word because after decades of being encouraged and parented and nurtured by by spiritual leaders, by a spiritual father and mother that guided me and always took me back to this word, then that's why last week, I knew he was giving me the word that was to be coupled with what came from, from the test. What does he have for you? What does he have for you? What is he convincing you of now? I know in this room, I know in this room right now, there is a persuasion happening. There is movement in minds that will shut down that lying thing that says, I don't know about what she's saying. But what about in here? What about inside you? Because I'm going to tell you what. This word never returns void. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, it never turned out the way the scriptures told me it would turn out. Now you're leaning on your own understanding. You're leaning on preconceived ideas. We always think we know what good would look like. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? That we humans would think that we know What good should look like. If that were the case. To Jesus as a human. Do you think that crucifixion looked good? Come on guys. He was trusting something far bigger than himself. To the point that he was so transformed by the love of the father. That he hung on that cross. Hung on that cross. Looked at the crowd who turned him over to them, chose him to be crucified rather than an adulterous murderer. Chose him to be crucified. And he hangs on the cross, transformed, having lived a life in transformation, convinced the goodness of God and says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Oh my God. (laughs) That kind of power. That goes after the world and he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can we take that spirit inside of us and say, instead of judging the world, forgive them, Father. But I will go to them and tell them the truth. I won't just say, God is love. You can do anything you want. Because they'll still die. If you tell them God is all accepting and he's love and he won't, he won't judge anything they're doing. He's not judging them. But he will say, this is life. And this is death. He will tell people the truth. The choice of this lifestyle will harm you. It will kill you. He's not trying to make a squeaky clean body. You know, like sometimes parents don't want to be embarrassed by how their kids act. That's not God's personality. He's not just wanting the church to be all squeaky clean so we can say, These are my kids and aren't they nicely dressed and well behaved? No, he wants us to live. He wants us to be happy, joyful, safe, not insane and and chaotic thinking. Are y'all with me? Father God, we love you. We love you, Father God. I thank you, Father. Oh, my goodness. I thank you, Father, for sending the living word tonight to us. Thank you that even in our worship, he was moving amongst us. He was comforting. He was literally anointing the musicians to bring a lullaby essence of atmosphere to calm our hearts so that you could speak to us so that you could call us so that you could cause us to let go. Maybe even of our own traditions that are binding our release to proclaim you the way our personality would. I thank you for salvation in this room right now, Jesus. I thank you that you're going after those who are hungry and ready. I thank you that there's no condemnation. Father, I, I truly ask you that when these people leave this room, that nothing I've said tonight would bring condemnation. But I thank you that by your power, Holy Spirit, there will be a convincing that we must say another yes. That we must say we're willing to go deeper in. We're willing to be persuaded in directions that truly will share what we've received with the rest of the world. We love you and honor you, Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great week.